Because you know it's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, 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 drought. Yeah, it's pretty clear, we're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom, gloom, and all our grass must go. But together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, 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 drought. From the desert to the mountains to the oceans to all across America and back to downtown San Bernardino, welcome everybody to this version of The Water Zone, sponsored by the Toro Company. Company, and welcome everybody. Um, we wanted to first thank everybody in the city of San Bernardino and around uh, who helped contribute to the uh, uh, events that happened here and in support giving dollars to help the families of the, uh, the unfortunate people who got hurt and injured and, and unfortunately got killed. And uh, I, I know that the city of San Bernardino is strong. Uh, this event, I'm sure everybody has heard about it now, happened just a couple blocks from here. And um, we, we give our hearts and thoughts and prayers to all of those people who had suffered in that. And uh, again, we want to, Mike and I both want to thank everybody for help contributing to the fund that raised quite a bit of money, a couple hundred thousand dollars, as I heard as of today. So we're very excited about that. My co-host, Mike Barron, is on the road tonight. He's going to a... Uh, uh, California Contractor Landscape uh, Dinner, and uh, I get to do the show here. But it's actually Agriculture Night, and we're going to turn it over to some two nice people of our micro-irrigation group, Miss Inge Bisconer and Paul McFarland. Are you guys there tonight? We are indeed, Rob. Excellent. Excellent. So I've been reading what you have on the show and who's coming on, and I'm very excited to listen to that. So I'm going to step aside, but I'm still going to be sitting here. And if you're watching Ustream, you'll see me playing with my little Christmas toys here. they got this studio all decorated <laughs> with Christmas ornaments. So while you're talking and your, your, your things, I'll be, I'll be listening carefully, but also be playing with these things. So I will now turn the show over to you, and uh, let's, let's have a good one. All right. Thank you, Rob. And uh, don't have too much fun with those toys. We have... Oops, we lost you. <laughs> uh, hopefully she'll call back in a second. Oh, they both dropped off. Ah, okay, so we'll have to wait till they call back in, and uh, we'll go through some stuff. Anyway, uh, as, as we're waiting for the phone call, I had the uh, uh, fortunate uh, pleasure to go to San Diego last week and, and meet a gentleman named Mark Lambert. Uh, they, I think they're calling in, and he's the CEO of a company called IDE Technologies, which we're going to have on the show in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're the ones who developed and built the new desalination plant in San Diego, and uh, uh, he'll be on the show. Uh, they also talked about a project they did over in Israel. Israel, uh, ironically, has 300 million uh, meters squared of water. Uh, and they actually have an abundance of water that they're selling to their nearby neighbors, such as Egypt and Jordan and so forth. And in a desert area, it's amazing of uh, what they have and how they can uh, recycle water and use that and, and so forth. Uh, but they'll be on the show to talk about uh, what's been happening with them. I see a, we have a caller calling in here. Okay. Um, well, you can put her on if she's there. Hello? 
Hello? Hello? Hi. <clears throat> this is Rob. We're waiting for Ingi and uh, Paul to come back. I guess they got disconnected somehow. And, yeah, uh, this is Becky, and I all of a sudden got the dis- disconnect as well, so not ah, sure what happened. Uh, I hope nothing happened locally here. <laughs> we're downtown yeah. San Bernardino, and like I said, last last time we did the show, it was a little scary, and uh, uh, we're sort of isolated where we are, but we're only a couple blocks to where all the excitement was, and uh, it was a mm. little nervous. Uh, I'll give another minute or so for uh, for them to call back, and uh, I do have the questions. I know what they're going to ask you, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't want to steal their thunder. That's not the uh, intent of the show. Uh, but maybe while we're waiting, you can give a little uh, uh, about yourself and and your bio, if you would, to the listening audience. Okay. Okay. Well, again, my name is Becky Finney. So I, apparently, I'm not the only one that got cut off. Um, <laughs> I have known Ingi Bisconer and Paul McFadden for quite some time. I've been involved in the irrigation industry for over 30 years. I am currently on a part-time assignment with, as a staff research associate with the University of California. I also own um, my own business where I assist growers in uh, commercial crop production with their irrigation scheduling. And um, so for the past 30 years, my background always involved irrigation of some sort, drip irrigation, subsurface drip irrigation, plant flow water relations, um, soil moisture sensing devices. And uh, I have had uh, both a foot in the agricultural research community as well as commercial applications. Oh, excellent. And I understand you have a bachelor's degree from Cal State uh, University Fresno and a master's from University of California Davis. That's right. Okay. That's right. Um, just for our listening audience, uh, if you want to call in and ask some questions, the local number is 909-888-5222. Our long-distance number is 888-909-1050. And if you want to see me playing with these little toys here on Ustream, uh, you can go to kcaaradio.com and uh, you can kind of see that live. Um, I don't think Inky's going to mind if I go ahead and start the questioning because... Uh, okay. Otherwise, we'll have dead airspace, and we don't want to do that. Uh, so, tell—I understand you're involved in, a, in a, a, something called 21st Century Orchard Project. You're working on at yes. uh, Kearney Ag Research Station in the heart of California's San Joaquin Valley agriculture region. And why? And what of interest it is to folks here in California? Maybe you can go through that for us. Well, this this project is a uh, culmination of years of research from a couple of different disciplines, which. Hello? Okay. Hey, we're back. I know, but your guest just dropped off for some reason again. I just started the questioning, and she's gone. <laughs> oh, um, well, there must be some phone problems then. We have no idea why we dropped off. Okay. Uh, okay, so you're on the air. I just started asking her about the first question. Okay, uh, very good. Uh, but she just got cut off. <laughs> okay, when did we get cut off, Rob? And I'll pick up from where we left off. Uh, you really didn't get far. You said like two words and it was gone. <laughs> oh, wow. So uh, I, don't, well, I, don't, uh, well, I, I don't know if it's the ghost of Christmas coming early here to, to do yeah. something. But, uh, <laughs> well, Rob, uh, hopefully Becky will call right back in. Um, actually, I'll text her real quick and maybe Claude can give a little preamble on what we were uh, talking about as an introduction to her topic. Excellent. Go ahead, Claude. Okay, great. Thanks, Rob. So, you know, we're going to be talking tonight about permanent crops, and permanent crops are orchards, you know, so uh, uh, fruits that grow on trees, nuts that grow on trees, and uh, grapevines. And that's a really important, those are all really important crops in the state of California. They represent about a third of all of the 
irrigated acres in the state of California, and they represent some 50% uh, of all of those crops grown in the United States. So when you walk up and down the, uh, the fresh produce section of the, of the grocery store, you know, some half of everything in the United States comes out of California, or everything that's grown in the United States comes out of California. So they're really important crops. And what we're, the theme of our talk tonight is modernizing uh, the production of those types of crops. Uh, again, permanent crops, which are fruits and uh, nuts and, and vines. And because it's such an important crop, it, uh, you know, we can't continue to grow those crops the way that, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, that farmers' uh, grandfathers and great-grandfathers uh, did. We have to modernize, just like everything has to be modernized. We need to become more efficient, especially when we're looking at uh, when we're dealing with the drought situation and uh, increasing labor costs. Farming is just like any other part of our economy. There are constraints on them that are changing every day and costs are going up. It's becoming more and more difficult and expensive to do business. And uh, in the, the way that farmers uh, continue to earn a profit is to become more efficient, just like every other business in our country has to become more efficient in what they do. So, uh, so these are really important topics. Um, Becky, are you back on by any chance? Uh, she just, I think she just called in. I'm looking at my engineer, Joe. Is she, she online? Uh, uh, well, well, we'll see what happens. It's not not here yet, but uh, Claude, for, just for our listening audience, I know uh, obviously what you guys do because you're our sister division. Can you maybe just give a, a one minute wrap up of what the micro irrigation group does and how that fits with uh, with Becky and 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 uh, that part of the world? Right. So we manufacture drip irrigation equipment for farmers all over the world, and uh, uh, we're headquartered. Our global headquarters is here in Southern California in uh, El Cajon, which is East County, San Diego. And uh, we work with, uh, with all, car- all sorts of farmers, um, including those permanent crop uh, farmers, but also uh, vegetables and, you know, kind of the more traditional crops like uh, corn and cotton to incru- increase their level of efficiency and uh, help them maintain profitability while, uh, you know, in a marketplace where crop prices fluctuate and they have to deal with, with changes to the weather and, and of course, uh, water supplies like we have in California. Yep. So, um, and I think, uh, Becky, are you back on the line? Yes, I am. Oh, welcome, Becky. Sorry about the technical troubles. Um, no problem. Uh, so, uh, so uh, Becky, uh, did uh, I'll introduce you. I'm not sure if, uh, if Rob had a chance to introduce you again uh, earlier, but I'll do it again. So Becky is on a part-time assignment as a staff research associate with the University of California. She's the proprietor of a business assisting commercial growers with irrigation scheduling. For over 30 years, she's been involved in irrigation scheduling, drip, subsurface drip irrigation, looking at plant-soil water relations, and sensing devices for agricultural research and commercial applications as well. Uh, Becky has a, a bachelor's from the from California State University in Fresno and a master's from uh, UC Davis. So uh, welcome, Becky. Happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. 
So, uh, hi, Becky. This is Inge here. Uh, we hi, talked Inge. a little bit about why orchards are so important, and uh, uh, because I know what we're going to be uh, chatting with you about is your project at Kearney, which is the uh, 21st Century Orchard um, Project. So, could you tell us a little bit about that? You know, it's located right in the heart of uh, California's San Joaquin Valley, the heart of agriculture, the heart of our orchard uh, lands. Uh, what's that project all about, Becky? Well, this project is about, um, it's, it's really a culmination of a lot of years of research from different disciplines. I'm working with Kevin Day and Ted DeYoung, and they're both, uh, have a background in pomology, uh, tree, uh, fruit crops, and working with um, uh, orchard management, cultural practices, and, and training systems. And they want put together a project to look at uh, their, their uh, results of many years. So they've developed rootstocks that will help keep a tree at a shorter stature than typical. And they're going to compare that to a more traditional tree. So they're going to have shorter trees and not require growers to, um, or the workers to use ladders. And they call it a ladderless system. But a year ago when they were putting grants together um, and looking for the money to support that, Kevin came to me and asked if I'd be interested in being involved because they wanted to use some subsurface drip irrigation. So that was exciting to me, and of course I said yes. And um, that brings in, you know, as you know, many, many years of irrigation research that my husband Claude Finet has been involved in, as well as many others, but uh, using uh, buried, drip irrigation buried uh, significantly deep. So just for your listening audience, um, anything from 18 inches deep to two feet deep has been used with permanent crops. And excitingly enough, we just finished the installation of our uh, subsurface drip yesterday in and the orchard. That's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Really and I bet I know what rainy. kind it was, but <laughs> might have a blue stripe on it. Um, um, it does. <laughs> yeah, the... Um, the subsurface drip irrigation, why, why are you interested in using that as opposed to, you know, flood irrigation or sprinkler irrigation? What's the benefit or, you know, you're making your orchards dwarfed uh, to consume less resources, but what are you doing there with the water? Well, what's been shown over the years is uh, drip irrigation in general can be more efficient in the water use. And we've uh, also done lots of research to show that the subsurface drip is even a notch better in terms of water use efficiency. So here we are in a drought, and a really significant drought, and so the use of water is, you know, a high priority. And we can show growers how to manage that system. The Probably the biggest difference in, in once you put the drip irrigation underground is managing it because you ideally will never see uh, the soil wet on the surface. So you can go along initially feeling like you're operating in the dark, but there are some very um, simple, I, I think pretty simple ways to manage the system to ensure that you're getting the water where you want it and not too much and, and but sufficient enough for the crop. So, so Becky, in addition to the water use efficiency you're talking about, what other what other things do you hope to learn as a part of this research? Okay, good question. 
Um, we are also combine the water use efficiency with the fertilizing. So all our nutrients, all the fertilizing that we do will be run with the water. So as the water is used efficiently, so will the fertilizers. You know, that, that brings up a point. Um, we know from some other research and uh, reports out of UC Davis over the last uh, year or two, and in particular the Harder report, um, we know that we do have some issues with fertilizer in the groundwater and uh, yep. from, from, from years of sometimes uh, over-irrigating, maybe with uh, um, technology that's not as precise as drip irrigation. Right. So this could potentially help with that? Yes, definitely. And it's not just the fertilizers, it's pesticides as well. And more specifically, uh, on the east side of the valley where we're located, the soils tend to be sandier, and as opposed to the west side where there's more clay, and, and the sandy soils tend to leach the water down much easier and quicker than a clay soil. So we're doing this test in sandy soil, kind of like putting um, our most, you know, in the most difficult location we could to show that, you know, even here we can manage the water to be careful not to contribute to either fertilizers or pesticides into the groundwater. Which is kind of what you found on the recent pomegranate research as well. I listened to your husband's presentation at the recent Irrigation Association conference, and sounds like you were able to, to, do, to really manage closely with the, drip irrigation, the subsurface drip irrigation system on the pomegranates. Yes. Yes, that project is now complete, and so... Uh, number of reports have been written, and a lot of uh, data has been taken in cooperation with, it was a quite a big project, so there was a, a cooperative effort with the USDA, and um, there was soil sampling, you know, deep into the profile and below the root zone to uh, look at uh, nitrogen, and we found no deep percolation and um, you know, no over-irrigation, but because of the fact that we manage it at a very high frequency of irrigation and every, even though we irrigate very frequently, each irrigation is a small amount of water. So, so Becky, this is uh, really interesting on the research side, and I think that it sounds like there's some really good results from the pomegranate project, and uh, sounds like we should expect some similarly good results from the uh, the 21st Century Orchard project. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, how do uh, how do we scale this up? Uh, you know, from uh, from the research community and take that research and get it into the hands of the production growers that you know that uh, that take all of the uh, 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 you know that 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 take this research and of course grow all the crops that we see in the grocery stores. Right, right. Well, uh, we when, as we do the research at the field stations or. Uh, with the universities in different different locations, we are always doing um, what we call field days, where we demonstrate our work, even while it's in progress, to growers or any interested parties. Uh, we'll have different publications, um, and as far as what what we advocate with growers is for them to start small and to learn how to manage the system properly. Um, you know, just like anything else, if there's, uh, you know, some unknowns to be had, you know, give it a try first and, and learn, make your mistakes 
small that way if you're going to make them. Um, so, but but the as far as that transfer of knowledge is that's part of what the you know UC Cooperative Extension is is really all about. Yeah, I I uh, I know that um, lots of growers attend your field days, so that's really heartening that um, that this work really does get practically applied. You know, Becky, you you've been in uh, this field for a long time, and as as um, as we stated, you not you're not only a researcher, but you're also a businesswoman, and you actually help growers adopt technology. In your view, and from your seat, what do you what what are the top two or three things that you see the growers doing differently over the next, you know, two to five to ten year time frame period to help with well, I, increased water use and resource use efficiency. Right. Well, I think that they've already, some of them have already begun, and they're going to have to do more and more uh, micro-irrigation, whether it's with a, um, a micro-sprinkler that delivers water from a, from a little sprinkler head but only on a small scale, or drip irrigation, or what we're doing with the subsurface drip irrigation, I think there's going to be more conversion out of flood and furrow irrigation into these micro irrigations that are much uh, easier to control. And I think that um, I've heard more and more growers um, just say that years past water or irrigation wasn't on the on the priority list, and they're really having to put that to the top of their priority list. I also think that uh, after, like you say, being around a, a few decades, that growers are asking more and more really good questions and wanting to learn more about uh, even monitoring their soil moisture. And I think um, the good thing with that is is that that technology has become um, more readily available and we borrow technology from other industries to make it cheaper. We, and we can put soil moisture data, data on the Internet and they can look it up on their cell phone nowadays. It's kind of ridiculous for <laughs> in that, you know, years back that would have been a, kind of a dream. So I, I do think that um, if they aren't already, growers really do need to um, take this drought seriously, uh, but I, I don't, see, I don't think it's an if. I think really they are more and more. So Becky, the uh, the water savings is uh, sounds pretty clear with both drip irrigation and subsurface drip irrigation. Do these technologies uh, help growers become more productive, or uh, you know, help them earn more money or get raise better crops? Yeah, actually, what we saying when we run studies and even when we've worked with growers in commercial applications, when we use drip hose or um, even the micro sprinklers, but let's just, let's just with drip, for example, right now, we're using the drip hose as the conduit to deliver the water to each and every plant instead of relying on the soil. The soil was used for furrow irrigation but it's not uniform. So if it runs across a sandy area and the water's going to percolate much quicker and easier than when you go further down the field, it might run across an area that's got more of a clay soil in it. So the uniformity of that water distribution gets 
interrupted with just allowing it to run down a furrow. But with the drip irrigation, that doesn't happen. So you see more uniform trees, and when you add that um, uniform water application to, to or add to the uniform water application the fertilizer program, then nutritionally the plants are getting fed um, uniformly as well, and so you see the orchards being much more uniform. They don't have um, spots that are real poor or real weak-looking trees, so you have improved fruit quality. And, uh, and then also, for example, with um, stone fruit, peaches, plums, nectarines that are picked for the fresh market, we also want those to come to maturity, you know, pretty close to the same time so that when you pick the fruit, they're also um, uniform in their maturity. And that tends to happen as well. So there are a lot of benefits. Well, there's nothing better than a fresh peach in the springtime. I look forward to that every year. Well, we thank you for your hard work and uh, helping make that yummy food available to all of us. We all appreciate that. Well, good. I I like them too, so, you know, I'm <laughs> a consumer as well. <laughs> we always like to say uh, um, farmers serve us uh, three times a day, you know. Um, That's right. <laughs> Well, Becky, thank you so much. Uh, how can people learn more if they'd like to learn more about the research that you're doing? Well, there's, there's really quite a lot of ways. Like I said, the University of California Cooperative Extension is present in every county. And for your urban listeners, if they want to practice in the garden, or there's a Master Gardener, Gardener program. And I can tell you from my own experience that I've put berry drip under my lawns uh, at my home, so it's doable. Um, there's people in the industry, such as Toro, that will also, you know, have programs to help people learn how and um, a lot, you know, education programs. The another uh, I'll, I'll agency is the Irrigation Association, and even though that's a national program, there are um, presence in local areas, and they help educate, you know, people at local areas, managers and consultants. Um, but, you know, even on YouTube, there are YouTube videos on subsurface drip irrigation. So there's a lot of different ways uh, to, to learn more. And so for your, for your listeners, I would just say, you know, it, don't give up. If you don't um, find the answers or the directions that you're looking for, you know, keep asking questions. And, um, you know, there's, 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 a, there's a lot of information out there. Well, thank you, Becky. And, of course, listeners can all, always uh, log on to Toro's driptips.toro.com to uh, find copies of uh, these podcasts and learn more about the Water Zone and our special guests, such as uh, Becky Finney. Thank you, Becky, so much. Okay, thank you. Welcome back to the Water Zone. And uh, we appreciate everybody listening in. And, uh, you know, we just heard about that third Thursday week food truck. The problem is we do our shows at night. There's a great Chinese restaurant three doors down in from the studio and they close at six o'clock so we never get any food here. But we're going to talk about food. We're going to talk about vegetables and farming and I want to turn it back over to our MIB group, Mr. Claude Corcus and Ingi Bisconer. It's all yours guys. Hey, thank you, Rob. Yeah, we're thinking about food, too. It's getting about that time and uh, along those lines, our theme tonight, of course, is um, 
research and funding to modernize our agriculture. We just had an awesome guest, uh, Becky Finney from uh, University of California. Um, we're setting up to um, to now have a, a nice talk with uh, Carolyn Cook, who is with the California Department of Food and Agriculture, otherwise known as CDFA. Carolyn, are you on the line? Yeah, I'm here. All right, awesome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'll do a quick introduction, and then we'll we'll dive right into it. Um, uh, Carolyn works as a climate change specialist with the California Department of Food and Ag, focusing on climate change impacts to agriculture and greenhouse gas mitigation opportunities. Previously, Ms. Cook worked with the Pest Detection and Emergency Projects branch of CDFA and was involved in various invasive species projects throughout the state. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Biology from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and earned a Master's of Science in Environmental Management from the University of San Francisco. She lives in her hometown of Turlock, California, with her husband and two children. Welcome, 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 Carolyn. Thanks. Well, listen, uh, we know that uh, your department has recently released and announced some funding for uh, agriculture. Can you tell us a little bit about it, this uh, this SWEEP program? Sure. Um, so SWEEP stands for the State Water Efficiency and Enhancement Program. Um, it is an exciting opportunity for um, farmers of irrigated crops to apply for funding to improve their irrigation system. Um, in March of 2014, there was some emergency drought legislation passed due to the, to the extended drought we've had, and it, it gave CDFA $10 million to disperse the farmers for uh, water conservation measures as well as um, measures that can reduce emissions of greenhouse gases. So um, that's where the funding is coming from. We received $10 million that first year in 2014, and we were able to award 134 projects um, throughout the state with that money. And then um, we had another $10 million in uh, 2015 that um, was just awarded to about 100 more organizations. And so we have another round of funding open right now. And how, and how much is this new round of funding? Okay, so we, we actually um, were appropriated $40 million for the next two years, 2016 and 2017. And so we're going to be doing several rounds of our um, application period. And so right now we're, we are planning to give away up to $16 million in this first round. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, each organization can be eligible for $200,000. So we've, we've increased that as we've We've gone on with each of our reiterations of the program. The first, the first round of funding we had in 2015, it was $50,000. So we've increased that cap um, to 200000 this time. So, so Carolyn, you mentioned that uh, the goals of this program are to both increase water use efficiency but also uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We just heard from uh, Becky Finney, a researcher at the University of California, how how uh, technologies like drip irrigation can help uh, reduce uh, uh, or in improve water use efficiency, but I'm, I don't really understand the greenhouse gas part. How does drip irrigation help greenhouse gases? Okay, I need to clarify. So the, the sweep funding, um, the goal is actually water conservation. So 
Um, you know, of course, we want to support water use efficiency and increase use efficiency, but our awardees have to show water savings from their projects. And so um, in, in combination with a water conservation measure that they could do, including, including drip irrigation or potentially the use of sensors to better manage water, um, we, we anticipate people will use things like renewable fuels or um, pump retrofits to increase the efficiency of their pumps or um, add variable frequency drives to their pumps. So they have to do some combination um, of a project that has components that contribute to um, both goals happening. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that makes sense. If you had a really high-pressure mm -hmm. sprinkler system and converted it to something lower pressure, then that might be yes. able for the funding. Or, you know, you're going from a flood system to drip or micro would probably uh, not only um, uh, reduce the water use, but maybe even the overall amount of water pumped, so reducing greenhouse gas. So that, that makes sense. How, how do farmers... Um, how do farmers uh, apply and get these funds? What's the process? Um, well, we have an online application right now. So we, um, we've partnered with the State Water Resources Control Board and also the Department of Water Resources and the Air Resources Board in putting together the program. And the State Water Resources Control Board hosts a, a website called FAST. And so our application is on FAST. And um, I recommend that folks go first to CDFA's Sleep webpage to get more information. There's a, a, a link for our guidelines to apply, which of course has lots of information about the program and um, how to apply and all the information that applicants will need to gather. And then they'll go to the FAST system and, and go ahead and start uploading their information. And they can do that over a couple of days. They don't have to do the application all at once. Um, they can save it and come back to it when it's convenient. And it's been a pretty popular program. Uh, the the past the past rounds of funding have been pretty much oversubscribed, right? Yes, we have had um, both rounds be about three hundred percent, or I should say, both uh, years of funding be about three hundred percent oversubscribed. At the same time, um, you know, that's one in three three applicants are receiving an award. So for co for a competitive grant program, um, I think that is pretty good odds. So the uh, the increase in funding for this year from the $10 million that was available in each of 2014 and 2015 uh, should allow the state to improve or to extend this program to more growers. Is that part of the plan? Yes, it's to extend. So we have up to we have up to 40 million um, for the next you know 2016 and 2017, and so that's great. But we also increased the cap because we understand that some of these energy-type um, projects can be expensive. So, you know, some people are converting their, their energy source to a renewable fuel um, or installing a whole new micro-irrigation system. So um, those are pretty expensive systems. Yeah, well, you, with your uh, background in climate change, you, you can probably maybe, maybe explain to us a little better how water and energy are linked. And, I mean, it's kind of it's good, and it's interesting that this program does link those two. Can you, can you comment on how water and energy are, are linked in the state of California? Yeah. I mean, I can talk a little bit about that. So on a farm specifically, if they're using um, groundwater as a source, you know, there's a lot of energy going into simply getting that water out of the ground and onto the crop. 
So, you know, they might be, they're using a, a fossil fuel pump or maybe an electric pump to get that water up. So that's significant energy. Now, um, throughout the state, I believe it's 30% of electricity use in California goes to water, um, not just moving water to farms, but of course, uh, you know, urban consumption and um, water treatment and all that. So water is a big energy consumer in the state. Right. I think I've heard that same statistic. Uh, and mm-hmm. what I, I, I think it, it's, I think you're right. Your number is right. Is 30% of all of the energy that we produce in the state of California is used to move water around the state in some form or fashion. So, you know, mm-hmm. the water that we get in Southern California has to come in many cases from Northern California and parts of the state, it can, uh, it can go downhill via gravity, but other parts of the state, when it has to go over, uh, uh, over the hills, we have to pump it up those hills, and that takes a lot of energy. Correct, and that energy um, comes from fossil fuels or, you know, uh, in, in emits greenhouse gases. So that's sort so of the connection there between greenhouse gases and water. So if we're more efficient with the water that we use, we use less energy uh, to move that water around. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I like the term uh, the uh, water footprint and energy footprint. Uh, is, it, is, that, is that something that works when you're trying to educate people? Yeah, you know, I like that. I like those terms as well. I think they, what I like about them is they're very individual. I mean, when you use the word footprint, I think people can really understand that on an individual basis and, and sort of personalize that, uh, those two things. Um, yeah, so that is a good community. I mean, that is a good phrase for communication and, and that is what we're aiming for. So with the drought, um, you know, water conservation has been increasingly important for all users of water. And, and so we're all being scrutinized, um, for our water use. So we're all trying to reduce that footprint. Well, it's really great to see that the state of California is uh, making a concerted effort uh, to help modernize uh, uh, agriculture. One of the things mm-hmm. that I've seen out there are, uh, are uh, you know, drip irrigation systems that have been around for, uh, for, for a while. Drip irrigation really started helping growers improve yields and, and, and improve their, the quality of their produce. And some of those systems are, that are out there are some 30 years old. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there are opportunities to... Uh, to improve those systems, and uh, would those would those types of modern uh, modern practices be eligible for state funding? Yeah, yes, they would. So we on our um, application guidelines, we have seven project types that are, are sort of guidance for folks to think about what they can do to reduce water use and uh, reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And um, we are open to innovative projects or retrofitting of existing systems. It's just important that um, an applicant be able to identify or estimate the water savings from that, um, that retrofit or that improvement to the existing system. Yeah, so as long as they can document that uh, they're improving from what they're doing now to what they would conceivably do in the future by, yeah, yeah. Uh, by adopting technology and changing their practices, then they, uh, then they have a better chance at winning, winning some of this grant money, huh? Yes, definitely. So, so how do we know that, uh, that you know, the, the, the farmers are actually uh, doing what they said? Okay, well, that's good. So, um, so what we do, so after applicants are selected to receive an award, um, we have sort of a pre-consultation uh, phone visit, and we might ask awardees to take a few photos of their existing 
um, systems. You know, so uh, so I should clarify then that people who are applying will need to wait to get an award from CDFA and have an agreement in place in order before they put in their systems. And then after the projects are installed, they would then reach out to CDFA and let, let us know they were done, and we would have a site visit, either with someone from CDFA or a partner from the Resource Conservation Districts to come out and see what they've done and make sure they've done it as they specified in their application. That's great. So there's a, a lot of accountability built into this system. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's super. Now, what if it uh, rains a lot this winter? Does... Uh... Does this all go away? Well, um, yeah, we, so we all kind of know that this winter is not going to make the bank, probably. It's not going to be the end of the drought. And um, so we have this $40 million right now. I can't say that we'll um, be appropriated any more money for SWEEP. But, you know, we have this funding that will last us at least through 2016. So um, I guess we will see. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I kind of ask that tongue-in-cheek because I, I think a lot of people think that if it rains tomorrow that the drought is over, and I think certainly all of us in the business know that uh, it's going to take years and years and years of really, really, really heavy rainfall and snowfall yeah. to, re to replenish our groundwater resources, um, gr groundwater um, aquifers, and to, re and to you know replenish our snowpack. Uh, it... Um, in the well, meantime, I think I... We, go ahead. Well, we all we all got so you know we're all very excited about the potential for a wet winter. So I think that makes us all optimists. Yes. So I I can see where that question comes from. Yeah, yeah. We would we would like to get just get hammered with some rain, but uh, generally speaking, we're a, we're a state with a lot of people and um, um, a water conservation ethic and valuing water is uh, a big part of our future, more more than we do today, I think. Would you agree? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think increasing um, water efficiency is great for farmers for adaptation to climate change. You know, climate change is primarily one of the things I work on at CDFA, not just reducing emissions, but also, um, you know, helping us all to adapt to future conditions, which might be um, increasingly drought-like. <laughs> right, right. Uh, we've gone yeah. through feasts and famines over the last uh, thousands of years, and we can expect it in the future. Yeah. You know, your, uh, uh, your colleagues and your boss, uh, Secretary um, Ross, are over in the Netherlands, I, I see. I've read it on your blog that they just did an agreement with um, uh, the, leader of the, <clears throat> the leader of the Netherlands uh, on... Mm -hmm. Uh, a memorandum of understanding to both work together and share information. Can you shed any light on what's happening? That's kind of real time. That happened today, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not, yeah. they have been um, visiting the Netherlands for the last week, talking a lot about um, climate smart agriculture. So that's not just um, about water, but reducing greenhouse gas emissions from from agriculture in general, um, maybe from soil management or from waste from agriculture. But um, they're also talking about, you know, um, interesting conditions that the Netherlands have there that we can learn about here um, and, and take some information forward for adaptation. So, no, I don't, I don't know the details of the agreement that, they've, that they may have reached. Yeah, yeah, no, it was just on the on the <laughs> blog today, and uh, it, it uh -huh. hits those points that you just talked about for them to share. It's uh, very exciting. Yeah, 
it is exciting, definitely. Yeah, so Carolyn, you, you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, learning how to adapt to, uh, to climate change. And uh, what, what that brings to my mind is some of the pictures that I've seen of the reservoirs that are up in the mountains. And mm-hmm. uh, what I keep hearing is that we're going to get a lot of rain this, uh, this winter. But uh, don't those reservoirs and doesn't a lot of the California water system depend on snow uh, instead of rain? Or is it in addition to rain? Um, do you have, uh, can you shed some light on that? Yeah, so traditionally, you know, um, the snowpack and the Sierras has provided, been sort of a reservoir for propelling water for us, um, in addition to the reservoirs, of course, that we've built. But um, as we get more and more precipitation from, from rain instead of snow, uh, there are implications for water management and how to best, um, you know, store that water when we get it and, and move it around. Um, so warm winters with lots of rain um, may not be as great as getting all that snow. Yeah. Well, Carolyn, how can uh, how can people learn more? And uh, is there anything else that you'd really like to share in the last few minutes here? Um, I would. So I would really encourage folks that if they have a project in mind, or if they they um, they think they might like to apply for funding, to to go ahead and try to learn more on our website. Um, it, it can be a, a pretty detailed process, but don't be discouraged. There's resources out there um, for you to reach out to. And, um, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for folks to do a project that maybe they've been wanting to do and haven't had um, the money to do so. And that website is uh, 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 CDFA. This is a good one, by the way. So it's cdfa.ca.gov forward slash Go, that's G-O, forward slash, forward slash sweep, S-W-E-E-P. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's a very informative website, and um, folks need to kind of pour it on because it's uh, January 8th is the deadline to submit the forms on the FAST uh, website, correct? Yeah, January 8th is the, is the deadline for this first round. So it, it's about a month away. We anticipate having another round of sleep um, maybe sometime in early spring. So, But up to, um, to $200,000 per project and up to $16 million worth of funding that has to be spent between April of next year and March of the following year, a 12-month period there? Yeah, so after the growers receive their award, they will then have one year to install that project. So, And if um, they can't meet the January 8th deadline, uh, it still makes sense to maybe do an evaluation of their system, maybe get a, a design and a quote and start thinking because there's probably more funding coming later? Oh, yes, absolutely. There's more funding coming later. So we have uh, more than $16 million to to give away over the next year and a half or so. And so, yeah, they should start to make preparations if there's something they're interested in doing. Super. Well, thank you, Carolyn, very much. Uh, uh, We've uh, enjoyed your workshops. Uh, I know those are all over, so you're not doing any more of those, at least before the January 8th date. But if you get more funding, I would assume you'll do another round of workshops to help people learn how to do this? Yes, definitely. We'll hold workshops throughout the state. We will have information uh, right, you know, posted on our website now for people who are uh, thinking they might try to get in on this round of funding. And speaking of workshops, I wanted to remind the viewing audience that we also have a webinar uh, planned tomorrow on the Grange Network. We'll be uh, going through the Toro Micro Irrigation Owner's Manual 
which is a, a nice document to help people uh, who have drip irrigation systems um, to help them learn how to operate them, uh, schedule the irrigations and uh, maintain them, um, keep them up to par. So that's happening tomorrow at 10 o'clock. If uh, folks uh, log on to uh, www.grangenetwork.com, they can sign up for that webinar. It's a free webinar from 10 to 11. And uh, the first 100 applicants will get a free copy of that owner's manual mailed to them. So um, uh, we're all kind of in the education business. We appreciate what you have done, Carolyn. Oh, yeah. Thank you. We appreciate your, your um, willingness to have us on and uh, talk about it. All right. Well, take care, uh, Mike. Uh, 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 Rob, do you have any other uh, comments? Well, a couple of things. Uh, maybe you can uh, give your audience uh, where they can reach you guys if they were going to talk about Ag World. Okay, so they can uh, they can uh, reach us. The best place to learn more about uh, uh, what Toro does uh, in agriculture is to look at our blog site, which is driptips.toro.com. Um, and of course, you can always go to the Toro uh, website and uh, at www.toro.com and click on agriculture there. But the uh, the majority of the information we have is on that driptips.toro.com uh, blog site. And uh, all of those blogs are, are, are we, we, we post new information on that, on that website uh, once or twice a week. There's always something that's coming up, and we're either uh, uh, writing, our own, uh, writing our own articles, and sometimes we just share the articles that we see that are really interesting from, uh, you know, university research uh, or from government agencies. Uh, so, so we're always uh, looking... Uh, finding new and interesting things, and we'll put it on the blog site. Um, and, and I think that's the best place to learn more. Uh, in fact, uh, the CDFA program that was just announced, the SWEET program, is also written up on our uh, blog, so that's another way to learn more about SWEET. And uh, if you can't remember the SWEET uh, um, website, uh, maybe Drip Tips is a little easier to remember. Uh, you can find Carolyn and her staff and, and resources uh, via our website as well now, too. But yeah, Drip Tips is a great way uh, to contact us. Um, Claude and I are also available, email, cell phones. Uh, we're happy to help anybody learn more about drip irrigation and agriculture. Right, and for people that want to maintain some uh, connectivity to that, uh, when you're on Drip Tips, you can sign up for an e-newsletter that we publish. We send that out. We try not to clutter up everybody's email box, so we send that out about once a month uh, that, uh, that uh, posts recent articles of interest and allows everybody to kind of keep tabs on what's uh, going on on our blog site and what's going on in the drip irrigation universe. And if anybody needs to know about landscape uh, for residential commercial, please go to the Toro website or www.torowatersmart.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Thank Iggy. Thank Claude. Great show. Great guests. And we'll see you next week on The Water Zone.